Yes, welcome back to episode four in our six-step plan on how to launch anything. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to get clients, building a portfolio, and how to price your work. Yeah, so getting clients, I think, is the, the big one. We get asked about it all the time because you have, if you've listened to episode one to three so far, you have your idea, you have your branding, you have everything set up, and now you're just sitting looking at the phone waiting for it to ring, uh, which doesn't just happen magically. Yeah. When we first started, our approach was to take a canvas down into Croydon High Street and start drawing. Yeah, we printed off business cards. We gave them out to anyone who paid us any attention. And out of probably 150 conversations that day, we managed to secure one job. From that one job, we then took a photo of that to all of the other places in town and said, do you want to do this? And we managed to get a few more jobs from there, which then led to the next ones, which led to the next ones. So once you've got that portfolio getting started, it's much easier to go forward because you can show that you can do that. You can deliver that service successfully. The first step then is working out how you get that first client. For us, it was standing in the street, speaking to people. Um, and that is, I mean, that is a valid way. Like if you have something that's for sale, I mean, just going out and having conversations with people, you may luck upon someone who wants to give you money to do the thing that you want to do. However, it's not guaranteed and it's a very kind of scattergun approach of trying to find your first clients. The easiest thing to do is start within your inner circle. Do you know family or friends or do your family and friends know someone who may want to employ you for your first gig? I think that's a really good point. It's like having that close circle of friends and or close people that you know to start with is so beneficial because if you just text every single person in your phone book and said, do you know someone who wants insert your service here? then there's a good chance you might get a response. And especially when you're first starting out, if you've not got anything on your portfolio currently, then working for free might be something that's a really good way to start. I know a lot of creatives feel really bad asking people to, to pay for their services. And especially when it comes to people that they know, friends. Uh, but the key words there that Adam said is, is ask them if they know anyone. So you're not direct like you are pitching to them but you're not directly pitching to them because they might say oh yeah actually me yeah but they might also say oh my uncle needs something for his business if you don't ever ask you will never find out that that person is looking so once you've done that and you've exhausted every single person that you've ever met and you've told them about what you're doing say that no no jobs come from that that's when you need to start looking outside of those circles and approaching strangers so there's a number of ways that you can do that you can do it in person or you can do it on the internet. In person would mean finding out where, so you've already, if you've listened to um, our earlier episodes, you've already established who might want your product or service. Now you have to work out where those people hang out. So for example, let's say that you have fallen in love with film and you are, because uh, there's a camera in front of me is first thing I think of. You've been learning how your camera works, you've fallen in love with it, you're like, okay, filmmaking is, is gonna be it for me. And maybe you've decided that when you've decided what your niche is, maybe you've decided you want to make videos for, for businesses. And that could be huge businesses or it could be small businesses. I would say probably start with small businesses, yeah, build definitely. your portfolio up and then, and then move on. So where are you going to find those small businesses? There's always networking events going on in every city across the world. So maybe start getting yourself down to those and telling people about your service. Yeah, once you know what your niche is and what you want to pursue, then you can just contact these people. So say, for example, you're into video and you want to work with in the food industry. So if you start contacting restaurants and say, do you need a video? Do you know anyone who does? 
And maybe if you're first getting started out, maybe do some for free. Maybe go to them and say like, look, I'm just getting started out. I haven't got anything in the food world currently, but here's my portfolio of things I've done on my own in my own time. Uh, and then if they can see that and think, well, that's good. I would like something like that for me. Then maybe go and do a couple for free, like in that niche that you want to work in, because then you can go to people in the future with a portfolio of work that really relates to them and be like, look, I've done this for another brand in town that is similar to yours. I've worked for this restaurant. I've worked for this business. And then that suddenly gives people the trust and belief that you can actually go and produce this product. And by doing that a number of times, you'll start to get people referring you because they'll be like, oh, I saw this video you did for them. Can you come and do that for me? And if you do a good job, they'll definitely go and show their friends. And word of mouth is still an amazing thing. Within the days of the internet where everyone just thinks all your clients come from online, word of mouth is the most powerful thing because nothing's more trusting than someone else's word. And if someone can say to you, oh, if, like, if one of my friends says to me, you need to get this guy to come and film for you, then I'd be like, okay, well, he's i trust him so i'm going to trust this Rather it also than, takes the work out you don't yeah. have to then go looking because you've already got a, a co-sign from someone saying this this is a good product so then once you've developed a big enough portfolio that you'll you become kind of known for that thing in that industry like you say well, well look i've done 10 now of this specific niche then you can go to everyone in that niche and say look look i'm not saying you don't need one now but this is the service i offer if you ever need it and i think that's the thing it's like people when you contact them might not be ready to buy right then but they might be 90 percent of the way there so it's just say i'm available if you ever need me and then every now and again just just check back in and say like i don't know if you're if you need anyone at the moment but just reminding you i'm here because people are very busy and 150 people is the amount of people that you can have a relationship with so you there's a good chance you might slip out of someone's mind you might not be in their thoughts and in fact you're probably not in their thoughts most of the time realizing that by just giving them that little jolt of like a oh hi i'm still here that brings you back into their consciousness and they might think oh actually i do i do i was going to get a video done so that's perfect yeah you want whatever it is that you are known for you want people to think of you whenever they think of that thing yeah so take us for example creativity is our thing we hope that for throughout our, our clients, whenever they think of doing something creative, like probably specifically in the, the advertising world, but also we've done stuff that's, that's not in the advertising world. When they think of doing a creative project, they think of us. And the only way to do that is to stay present, is to stay current in their mind. So we're recording this uh, in the, the festive period and we've just sent out over 100 hand-painted, handmade gifts to all of our clients. Some clients that we haven't worked for for the past year, but it's just staying present in their mind, giving them this nice little gift that will probably sit on their desk. And then every time they look at it, it's a constant reminder. We do this kind of thing every year. So every year we'll send a completely different gift that's completely unique to all of our clients. And the amount of times that we've sent them out and then the next day we've got an email back from someone who's been like, oh, actually, I forgot about you guys. I've got a project coming up that you guys would be perfect for. So it's like just by kind of getting back in front of people, it rejogs their mind and, and then a job could come from it. You mentioned they're working for free and it's something that we're passionately defend there's a lot of negativity online about working for free and i think if you're being exploited that's absolutely true but there is so much value for you in working for free by working for free you can build your portfolio you can get names on your client list of people that you really really want to work for you can do it by so 
most people do like to get something for free. And so if for, for us in the beginning, working for huge brands, if we could approach them and say, look, you don't even have to pay for this, they were much more likely to say yes. If they then said yes, we then had their logo and we could use it on our website. That built social proof. It meant that people visiting our website would see, oh, they have worked for X, Y and Z brand which then builds trust with them. They don't need to know that you've worked for those people for free because you're not lying. Like they are a client. You did have an agreement with them that you would provide a service for them. You just didn't happen to get paid for it. Working for free gives you something to do. So we talked before about when you're sat at home and you're constantly like tweaking your website and changing your logo. And we see people doing this because they haven't got any clients because they're not doing anything. And what a far more useful use of your time is by going out there and practicing the thing that you want to do is by delivering jobs even if you're not getting paid for them because it's people being able to see that you can deliver will then equal paying customers down the line yeah i think what's really important and the thing that i like to do is if someone comes to you and says i've got this opportunity i've got no money for it but i can give you exposure there's a good chance that that that's not the best in your favor whereas if you can go to other people and say i'll work for you for free then you're in control in that situation. There's, you're not going to be exploited in any way. The times that exploitation generally happens is when someone comes to you and says, just come and work for me for free. Because there's a good chance that they're not your ideal client as well. A lot of companies will say, we don't have a budget for this. That's something that you will hear a lot. But if you say to them, I'm willing to give you my time for free, but you have to cover my material costs, a lot of times they will come back and say, yes, that's okay. And you can always make a profit on your materials as well. So um, always be aware of that. And think too about reinvesting back into your projects. So uh, an example for us very early on when we had very little money and any money coming in would have been great to go in our pockets and buy ourselves some new clothes or something like that. We didn't do that. We invested it back into the job. So a clear example of that was when we did a project for a very small offshoot of Adidas called TaylorMade, which is their golf division. And they had a small budget, but instead of um, taking profit from that, we took their budget and we reinvested it into the job. So we said to them, rather than us giving you a canvas of this size, however big it was, wasn't very big, can we give you something three times bigger? They, of course, said yes because they were getting something much more than what they paid for. We used that money to reinvest back into the project by a bigger canvas so we knew it would be more impressive. It would build our portfolio and to people visiting our website, it would be a really impressive project. And also because we didn't have anything like that in our portfolio, then it allowed that when other brands came to see us, they're like, well, they've done that big thing for Adidas, then they could do that big thing for me. Whereas if we'd have just left it, taken that profit, the next big client who landed on our website wouldn't have seen that we were able to do something like that. But by doing that, I allowed us to develop a new service and get a lot more jobs from that. We've mentioned getting in front of people, telling them about your products and services and doing it in person, which is a great thing to do. And we do it as much as possible. We're always trying to set up new meetings, meet new clients and have those face-to-face discussions. But where most of our business comes from is from the internet. What I would start to do when looking online is make a list of 100 clients you would love to work for. Contact all of those 100 clients and say, like, look, I would love to work for you. This is what service I offer. This is my portfolio that currently exists. Would you like to do something? And please be expectant of 99 no's. Yes. But all you need is that one yes. 
we talked about social proof of having a certain client um, and that is powerful. So you will find that each job that you get begats the next. So it, it really is a game of momentum and it's so hard in the beginning to sort of to push that boulder off the cliff. But as soon as you do, it will start rolling down and it will gain more, more and more momentum as it goes. So in the beginning, those 100 people might, they might be no's, but as soon as you get one, you then leverage that one client and say, oh, by the way, we've just done this project for XYZ. And then that means that your next 100 emails are more likely to get two yeses than than just one. Yeah, it worked really well for us when we first started the podcast when we had no listeners, no guests. And But as soon as we got those first couple of yeses back, then we could go to everyone else and say, this is our podcast. This is what it's about. We've had people like this, this, and this on. And again, it's just all building trust. It allows them to realize that, oh, actually, this is someone I can trust. This is a good thing because these other people have trusted them, which means I'm more likely to trust them too. It is so much more worth your time spending an hour crafting one well-written email that is directly to the person that you want to contact than spending one hour sending out 100 copy and paste generic emails so this does take time but the time investment is so worth it you need these people to know that you are emailing them directly for a reason so so one of our services is team building if we are trying to contact someone to get them to buy our team building service we would most probably contact the office manager the office manager is probably uh, in charge of booking team building events for the office uh, if you're a writer, you may need to contact editors. It's it's working out, again, who your clients are and who the specific, because there are a lot of gatekeepers in your way um, to save the time of upper management from not having to deal with uh, things that could potentially be spam. So you want to bypass the info at mailing address, which is what 99% of people will do, and do a little bit more research and try and get deeper into the company so that you can bypass the filters and get directly through to the person who is a decision maker that who could potentially employ you. What makes a good email? A good email is something that does not waste the other person's time. I mean, I think that's that's critical. Your service is your first love. It's something we've already talked about you developing your passion. So we're going to presume it's something that you're really fucking hyped about. You could probably write a two-page email about how brilliant this service is. You're going to have to distill that down to a couple of sentences. Basically, if you email me, I need to know how this benefits me. I don't need to know how great you are. I need to know how your service makes my life easier. So a good email is friendly informative and solves a problem instantly so i would i would start by identifying what that problem is so if you are cold emailing you could say and and it, again it shows that you've done your research say you are a website designer i've just been on your website i have noticed that this 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 and this is wrong with it you have to understand that your email is in a flood of a million other emails so it's got to stand out somehow so even down to what your subject title is if they don't open it then you've lost already so a strong subject title uh, which is going to grab their attention which is going to identify that you are there to solve their problem um, that's going to make them read I, I mean I've, I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about how often people will um almost trick him into opening the email which pisses yeah. him off in, yeah. in the beginning so it's a very very careful balance of if you've actually managed someone to open it you have to make sure you're essentially i guess clickbaity subject line 
actually does deliver value within the body of the email. Yeah, I think that's the thing with clickbait, isn't it? It's like if it makes you open it, but then it's not actually true. Like the amount of websites you've clicked through to that are just like this thing that catches your attention. You get another, like, actually, this is a rubbish article. I don't want to be here. And you just click straight out of it. And it's like everything about selling is about building trust and reputation. And I think as soon as you start to piss people off or annoy people or li- you basically are lying to them, then there's a good chance you're not going to get a job from that, which means you're not going to earn anything. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah. honesty is, is so important. Some might say it's the best policy. Some would say that. So keep it short and sweet. Identify their problem. Let them know how you're going to solve it. And then don't worry if they don't if they don't write back because the chances are most people won't. Uh, it really is a numbers game. Um, also look for phone numbers. And if you are more confident speaking than you are writing, it's, it's much easier to ignore an email than it is to ignore a, a telephone call. Yeah, and I think you're not going to be confident at the start of doing that, especially, well, some, some people might be, but I think most people won't. And you'll only get confident by practicing. I was listening to a, a sales guy talk the other day and he was saying like when he did sales training, it was like you'd do, you'd have your exactly what to say, but it'd be 200 phone calls before that actually started to work out right. And you were saying the same thing every time. It was just having that level of confidence that comes across on the phone. It's so important. You're only going to get that by trying. Like, don't just think the first 20 times when you ring up and you don't get anything from it that oh, actually this isn't for me. Because if you keep going and keep going and keep going, it, you will get good at it and you will get like, yeah, and you'll start to make sales. You don't get extraordinary results unless you do extraordinary things. And I think there's these what we hope with this this six part series is that you will see that there are different ways of doing things that you must be creative in marketing yourself because if you just follow the same paths that every single other person follows you won't stand out and if you don't stand out getting clients and getting contracts and getting paid is going to be much harder so in this episode we've talked about building a portfolio and a bit of sales and next episode we're going to look at marketing and how you can get people to come to you Yeah, we're really getting down into the nitty gritty now. So uh, the next episode is going to be a good one. Make sure you subscribe if you want to be alerted for that next episode. A little notification bell to get an alert every time we post a video. See you in the next one.